coconut milk after PETA's allegations of forced monkey labor, which follows the actions of what Costco did. So Wegmans is the latest retailer to drop Chaco coconut milk, the Rochester, New York-based supermarket chain confirmed to USA Today. The grocer follows Costco, Walgreens, Food Lion, Giant Food, and Stop and Shop, who also stopped stocking brands of coconut milk from Thai suppliers who people for the ethical treatment of animals, PETA, has accused of using monkeys as forced labor. Now, the product in question is no longer available at Wegmans Company, spokeswoman Deanna Percasi said in a brief statement to USA Today. And PETA has been pushing stores to stop selling coconut milk it says were made with coconuts harvested by monkeys since it began investigating the alleged animal exploitation in 2019. Milk from coconuts picked by chained monkeys doesn't belong on grocery shelves any more than monkeys belong on those chains, PETA President Ingrid Newkirk said in a news release. Wegmans heard PETA's message and now PETA is calling on Walmart and Target to join it in thousands of other stores that reject products of forced monkey labor. So Target and Kroger both recently told USA Today that they were looking into the matter, and Kroger has a long-standing commitment to responsible business practices, including the humane treatment of animals, the retailer said in a statement to USA Today. Now, we have re-engaged our suppliers as well as other stakeholders on this issue to reconfirm they are also protecting animal welfare. Kroger is the nation's largest grocery chain. And we believe in the humane treatment of animals and expect those who do business with us to do the same, Target said in a statement to USA Today Friday. We're looking into Chaco's practices and we determine next steps accordingly. Now the Thailand-based maker of Chakoa coconut milk, I don't want to say this because obviously <laughs> it has this word in it, so... T-H-E-P-P-A-D-U-N-G-P-O-R-N, Coconut Co. LTD, recently told USA Today that it has audited coconut plantations using a third party and shared a copy of the 14-page monkey-free coconut due diligence assessment. The report says 64 farms out of 817 were randomly selected and did not find the use of monkey for coconut harvesting. Following the recent news about the use of monkey labor in Thailand's coconut industry, Chaco, one of the world's leaders in coconut milk production, reassures that we do not engage the use of monkey labor in our coconut plantations, the company said in a statement, which noted that its suppliers have signed memorandums of understanding that no monkey labor at their farms. So, Really, what you got to understand is like in this kind of like situation, like, I mean, feel free to give your thoughts on this whole potentially forced monkey labor thing. But again, these allegations are coming from PETA and, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But then also, even if this potentially was the case, like, let's say that this was potentially the case, right? That the tea company, the tea coconut co company, right? was actually going to use forced monkey labor to harvest coconuts. Well, think about it, right? Just, like, just think about it. They have 817 farms. I don't know the size, but they're probably pretty massive. 
So think about how many monkeys they're actually going to have on each farm that they got to train, right? They have to specifically train these monkeys to specifically harvest coconuts, where they are then forced on like a everyday basis to harvest these coconuts day in and day out. The amount of training and oversight that they're going to need to manage monkey labor to create basically a massive coconut infrastructure is just unrealistic, right? Like, just think about it for a second. Because you have to train these monkeys, okay? It is going to probably be cheaper and even easier to just train a human. Because you got to think about it. This is in Thailand. You could do a lot of stuff in Thailand for basically no money. You can hire people for basically no money. A bunch of people outsource their jobs or their gigs that they're doing for their business to Thailand for basically no money. So just keep that in mind. Like, There's really no reason for them to use forced monkey labor for their business. It makes no sense. But feel free to give your thoughts on the situation because to me, like, this literally makes no sense for a company regardless of their personal beliefs of, you know, actually having humane practices or not. It just doesn't make sense in a business context to use forced monkey labor on 817 farms, right? Like, think about that. Like, that's just crazy. That's just crazy. But feel free to give your thoughts. Check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons and courses, and do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account, and automate your investing with Acorns down in the description below. Disney Plus is up to nearly 74 million subscribers. So we're going to go over basically this article that I stumbled upon. And it's a pretty amazing thing. And it's something that you could kind of like learn from in like a business perspective. Okay. So let's get right into it. So the streaming service netted nearly 74 million subscribers by the end of the quarter. Surpassing estimates and giving Wall Street a rare reason to cheer this struggling media company. Disney's DIS stock was up as much as... 5% in after-hours trading, and the streaming platform was one of the only bright signs for Disney. For its fiscal year, which ended in October, Disney was hammered by the coronavirus pandemic. Disney's revenue came in at $65.3 billion, which was down 6% from last year, and Disney swung to a loss of $2.8 billion in the fiscal year. That marked a sharp reversal from the previous year when Disney hauled in $10.4 billion in profits. Even with the disruption caused by COVID-19, we've been able to effectively manage our businesses while also taking bold, deliberate steps to position our company for greater long-term growth. Bob Chapek, Disney's CEO, said in a statement on Thursday, now, the real bright spot has been our direct-to-consumer business, which is key to the future of our company. Disney Plus, which celebrates its first anniversary on Thursday, has been a lifeboat for Disney in a terrible year. 
The company has seen its parks closed for months before reopening to new health guidelines and limited capacities while its blockbuster studio unit has had to push films into next year. Yet Disney Plus has not slowed down, and Disney is making sure that the company continues to invest in streaming, which is a very smart plan. So Disney on Thursday announced that it will not declare a semi-annual cash dividend for the second half of fiscal 2020. Now, this was due to the ongoing impact of COVID-19, but also so to prioritize investment in its direct-to-consumer initiatives. Now, really, this kind of sucks for shareholders, people who own their stock. But for the long-term viewpoint of Disney, it makes the most sense for them to reinvest into something like Disney Plus so that they could generate more revenue by increasing their subscriber base based off creating massive projects that would entice people to download or basically sign up for Disney Plus. Now this follows Dan Loeb, the chief of hedge fund Third Point, writing a letter to Chapek last month calling on the company to permanently suspend its $3 billion in annual dividend payments. Loeb urged Disney to pump more money into a streaming service by shifting cash away from its shareholders. On Thursday, it appears that Disney did just that. Away from Disney Plus's growth, Disney's parks were also in the spotlight. The division has been hit harder than any other unit in Disney's media empire, leading to massive layoffs. And the most significant adverse impact on the current quarter and year from COVID-19 was approximately $2.4 billion and $6.9 billion, respectively, on operating income at our parks. Experiences and product segment due to revenue lost as a result of the closures or reduced operating capacities, Disney said on Thursday. And the news wasn't any better for the parks or the resorts division on Thursday. So Disney announced that Disneyland, the company's flagship park in California, which has been closed since March, will stay shuttered at least through the end of the fiscal first quarter of 2021, which is the end of December, which is crazy. Okay, think about that. They've had one of their most, basically their largest, I believe, park closed for the majority of this year right like they're just bleeding money i believe i heard that they were like bleeding like one to five million dollars a day like something crazy for like in that matter and yet like they're uh, i think disneyland in like florida is like doing amazing because it's completely packed because people just don't care in florida basically but like geez like this basically goes to show you that when one revenue stream is like lacking, you need to focus on another revenue stream that is completely separate from that, right? This is why you hear the whole saying about, you know, millionaires have like seven different income streams. The reason for that is because it allows them to not have to solely rely on one stream of income for their livelihood, Right. For example, a lot of millionaires have income streams in the form of real estate income, like rental income, dividend income from like stocks, their job, right? They're probably like main, main job source of income. Then there's probably just uh, 
their side businesses that they might have, like other companies that they might own, streams of income, right? Because the thing is, they don't necessarily have to do something to make money. They could hire someone to go make money for them, right? Like that's the whole point of like creating like a business in some form is so that you could eventually hire people to basically do the work for you so that you don't have to work to make money, but you choose to work because you want to. Right. That's the whole point of like trying to make enough money for retirement and just trying to invest for retirement as well, because the whole goal is to basically not to get the point to not work, but basically to get to the point that you could choose as to what you want to do whenever you want to do it. Right. Because think about it. Think about what you would be doing on your like day to day life. Right. If you weren't pressed for money, right? Like if you didn't have to rely on the income from your job to survive, right? What would you do with your free time? Would you start a YouTube channel? Would you start a podcast? Would you start an online business? Would you work out more? Would you eat healthier? Like what would you do with your free time? And that's the whole point, right? Now, another thing that you could really understand from this article and what they're doing, right? Because obviously the whole different revenue streams is to really understand this revenue stream, this business model, which is Disney Plus, right? Because this business model where you're basically creating content and then having a paid subscriber base paying you a monthly fee every single month to watch something, learn something in that sort of form allows you to really generate a consistent income stream but then it scales to like an exponential level now let's use this as an example like in this like quick example right as to why this is such a good business model especially if you're willing to just put in the time and effort to grow it right so let's use this again as an example whether it be like let's use like twitch or youtube right it doesn't have to be twitch or youtube but it's the ones that you could basically start without paying anything at all to start it, right? So let's say that you're wanting to start like a gaming channel. Let's just use that as an example, right? Well, guess what? If you have a gaming channel, but you have a subscription base model where you basically have people, like where they get like extra perks and all that kind of stuff, right? To where you get 2,000 people paying you $10 a month for these extra perks and all this stuff to be a subscriber to watch your maybe your private streams or all this kind of stuff, right? We're just using that as an example. So that's 2,000 people paying $10 a month. That's $20,000, but you're going to have to obviously basically lose half of that from like taxes, expenses, all this other stuff, right? So then basically, let's just say that you get $10,000 net out of that, right? Well, that's and that's over a $100,000 income just from that one income stream. Think about that. Like, that's not a lot of people when you really think about it in the, like, online space, right? You've seen YouTubers with, like, you know, 100,000 views per video, right? A million views per video, right? Even 10,000 views per video is a lot, Right? Especially if you're able to convert a certain percentage of them to become a paying subscriber that likes your content. Because guess what? You can make so much money from that, right? 
not just so much money, but you can make a consistent amount of money every single month, which allows you to free up time to focus on different things, to focus on different products, to focus on different revenue streams, and also to just provide maybe a better service, better gameplay, like just better content for the people that end up watching you. So just like keep this in mind, like this is Disney Plus's model where they try to get their subscriber base to a very high level that are like a paying subscriber base because they know that every single month they could pretty much guarantee that they're going to get like a ballpark amount of revenue every single month, right? And for Disney Plus with 74 million subscribers, that's a crazy amount of money coming in every single month. That's a crazy amount of money. So just take... Think of this as like a potential business model that you could try to focus on because it's a pretty amazing business model. And yeah, stay tuned for more money and news related content. Feel free to subscribe for more episodes. If you want to learn the four steps to make money online, go down below and learn the four steps to make money online. You could get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bacon account. You could automate your investing using Acorns down below. And you can listen to the podcast as well. And we'll see you in future episodes. So we're going to go over how much you should have in your 401k based on your age. So when it comes to your 401k, it's never too late to start saving. But how much should you save? As total savings skews higher as you get older, a look at average savings levels by age can give you a benchmark for your progress and help you adjust your contributions to stay on track. And your 401k balances by age. Below are the average 401k balances by age range according to data released by Fidelity Investments. And average balances can be a crude measurement as they don't account for other savings you might have or the level of employer matching involved, but they're a good place to start, especially if you are relying on your 401k for retirement. For each age group, benchmark goals recommended by Fidelity are included to help you decide whether you're on target or need to increase the percentage of your contribution from your income to catch up. It's worth noting that according to these targets, most people should be saving more. So ages 20 to 29, the average 401k balance is $11,800. And the average contribution rate is 7% of compensation. And the goal by age 30 is save the same amount as your annual salary. Now, it's not easy to save in your 20s, and many people are new to the job market or are in school, but it's always good to put away what you can as early as you can. As compound interest is definitely your friend, and a dollar saved in your 20s is worth $10 saved in your 50s. Now, another thing to keep in mind, right? During this age range, a lot of people are in various forms of debt. So you got to keep that in mind. And if you have debt, it's actually smarter to pay off your debt first to then funnel all your like freed up money into investing into a 401k, Roth IRA, and all that kind of stuff, right? Because here's the thing. You never want to be carrying debt. You don't want to be carrying debt till you're 
old and decrepit and basically your pieces of your body is just falling off, right? That's not the point, okay? The point of investing for your future is so that you can enjoy your future. And you can't really enjoy your future or even your present when you have a massive amount of debt. So keep that in mind. Even though you should be focusing on investing into your 401k, you do not want to be funneling a bunch of money into investments until you pay off your debt. Now, this is not the case with, say, like a mortgage, like if that's your only debt, keep investing for your future, right? But if this is like consumer debt, like credit cards or like a car loan, or a personal loan, right? Or a loan to a family or, you know, a IRS tax bill that you got to pay. Or even student loans. Make sure to pay that stuff off, right? Like, make sure to pay that stuff off. You do not want to be dealing with that for decades. You want to be able to knock it out with maybe within like five years, 10 years, depending on your income level. And you can always grow your income as well. There's nothing stopping you from growing your income. So... Make sure to do that before you focus on how much money you should have in your 401k because it doesn't matter if you have a whole bunch of consumer debt. So ages 30 to 39, the average 401k balance is $42,400 and the average contribution rate is 7.8% of compensation. The goal by age 40 is 3x your income. So by your 30s, you might have been promoted or earn more money with any increase in wage you might want to automatically bump up your contribution percentage to stay on track in the ages 40 to 49 your average 401k balance should be about one hundred and two thousand and seven hundred dollars now the average contribution rate is 8.5 percent of compensation and the goal by age 50 is 6x your income Now, you start to see more put away in this age bracket as typically these are your peak earning years. And by now, your student debt has either become more manageable or you paid it off by your mid-40s, which to me is way too late. Like if you get out of college in your early 20s, get that stuff paid off as quick as possible. Don't rely on debt, you know, payment plans, right? Where like, you know, the government's going to pay off your loan or whatever because they're not. Don't trust the government to pay off your bill, right? They're not going to do it. They don't care about you. They're going to slap you around at the end of it, saying that you did something wrong. You didn't cross your T or dot your I correctly, so you're basically screwed, right? No. You have complete control over your financial situation. Get rid of your debt as fast as possible, like no matter what, right? You do not want to be in your 40s and 50s still paying down your student loan debt like that's crazy do not deal with that at that age deal with it when you're a lot younger so then ages 50 to 59 the average 401k balance is one hundred and seventy four thousand and one hundred dollars so the average contribution rate is 10.1% of the compensation. The go by age 60 is eight times your income. And if you're behind on your savings, not all is lost. The IRS lists this age group use what's known as catch-up contributions, whereby participants can contribute an extra $6,000 a year to their 401k, which is a pretty good thing.
and then ages 60 to 69. The average 401k balance is $195,500. The contribution rate is 11.2% of compensation, and the goal by age 67 is 10x your income. So many people start to retire or draw down their 401k balance at this age, which means the median balance doesn't, know, doesn't move much. This is the age when your balance begins to drop. So if these numbers scare you, don't worry. They don't necessarily reflect the full picture of your finances, and you'll want to factor in other savings from an IRA, Social Security, or even an inheritance, right? So how much you should actually have ultimately saved? Ten times of your income is a common rule of thumb recommended by Fidelity, but you might require more or less depending on your specific circumstances. And if you're not sure how much to aim for, meet with a financial advisor, which I definitely agree with, who can help you fine-tune your savings plan. Right? Now, the thing that you got to also understand, right, is that it all really depends on what sort of lifestyle do you want. Right? Like, keep that in mind. Because no matter how much money you make, no matter how much money you invest, if it doesn't cover your lifestyle, you're going to lose your money, period, right? This is the problem with people dealing with, you know, lifestyle inflation where they like, once they start making like, you know, like they go from like $25,000 a year to $50,000 a year to $100,000 a year, but they're spending like they're making $80,000, $300,000 a year, like it gets crazy, right? Because people think that, oh, I'm making more money, so that means I could definitely spend more money. No, that doesn't mean that's the case. Like, you need to have, like, a good ratio, right? Like, a good percentage. So you never want to spend more than half of your income, period, right? Like, of your annual income, you do not want to spend more than half of it. Because if you spend more than half of it, it'd be very hard for you to really grow your future. It'd be really hard for you to invest for your future. It'd be really hard for you to pay off debt if you have debt, if you're spending half or more than half of your income, right? So just keep that in mind. Not to mention, you know, there's taxes, there's expenses that you got to deal with no matter what, right? So no matter how much money you make, no matter how much money you invest, you need to keep in mind that you need to keep your lifestyle in check. You need to be able to have an income stream that can pay for your lifestyle so that you don't even have to touch your 401k, so that you don't have to touch your Roth IRA, because you want to be able to put yourself in a situation so that you could create generational wealth and not have to deal with taking money out of your future or your future kids' future, or your future grandkids' future. Because here's the thing. People talk a lot of smack about super rich individuals and them giving money to their kids. But everybody wants to be in that situation where they have the capability of doing that for their own kids. So why not you like why not focus on getting to the point where you could do that for yourself, your family, and your future descendants so that you can basically become or like live like basically a king and not really care what anyone has to say, right? Because let's face it, if you had a million dollars in investments and one to $200,000 in cash and a paid off home, no debt, 
you really wouldn't care much about anything, about what people say about you, right? Unless you're some, like, weird celebrity that, like, has some, like, weird ego thing that, you know, can't take, like, criticism at all for some reason, even though they're a celebrity, right? But just keep that in mind, right? Like, get to the, get to the point in your life where you are in a financial position to where you don't got to care about anything at all financially, right? You could just do whatever you want because you want to do it, because you enjoy it, because you like to do it. So keep that in mind. Check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons and courses, and do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. And automate your investing with Acorns down in the description below.